What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Before we get started, first off, uh, thoughts and prayers out to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Uh, I hope he's doing better. That's why this episode's coming out a day late. I just need, need I just needed to take a day. Um, it just didn't feel right to talk about sports like nothing had happened when obviously something pretty big did happen. So once again, thoughts and prayers out to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Uh, we got a loaded show for you today. Just got a lot going on. We're talking a lot about the college football playoff, those semifinal games from Saturday. And then we're going to talk a little bit of NFL to close out the show. Cannot wait to get into it. Here we go. Before I get started, let me go ahead and say Happy New Year. Didn't say that in the intro. Now, now we're ready to go. So to start off, I I have to eat my words, sadly. TCU is a good football team. You know, before the Michigan game, I had this idea, this perception of TCU in a very similar way to the way that people see the Minnesota Vikings of the NFL. Okay, like they're winning a lot of games, but they're all really close. Like they're a good football team, but they're overrated, right? Because at some level... Like you have to be good in order to win close games. You have to be good to win games in general, right? Whether you win 11 games at the college level or you're 12-4 and four through 17 weeks in the NFL. If you win that many games, you are a good football team. If you win that many close games, you're good situationally, right? These are compliments. But at the same time, when we look at the NFL and when we look at college football, you have some blowouts in there, right? Like when we look at the Eagles, like they've blown out the really, really bad teams. And when we look at Georgia, they've blown out the really, really bad teams. I haven't seen the Vikings do that, just like I hadn't seen TCU do that. I hadn't seen them come out and dominate anybody. Like, all their wins are by, like, one possession. And it's just really hard to trust that, right? And then TCU comes out and goes up 21-6 to at the end of the first half. They absolutely dominated the whole first half of that game. To be honest, I almost didn't watch the second half. Thankfully, I did because it was awesome you know, this is one of the best college football playoffs that we've had in a long time. And part of what made TCU so effective in that first half is they ran the ball whenever they wanted. I mean, they ran the ball for over 100 yards in the first half alone, ran the ball for over 250 yards for the entire game. But they ran the ball extremely well. And on top of that, the defense played fantastic in the first half, only giving up six points to a really good Michigan offense, running that weird 3-3-5 kind of defense. You, you kind of expect for Michigan to come out and just run the football on them. They didn't. So, you know, you have to tip your cap to TCU in the defense and forcing the turnovers and all the interceptions. They played really, really, really well in that first half. And then they go into halftime. Michigan comes out. They've clearly made some adjustments. And it very quickly turned into a shootout. And this is where I was really impressed by TCU, right? Because championship-level teams respond, okay? When they're down, they find a way to get back into it, like Georgia did against Ohio State later on Saturday night. And when they're up, they find a way to shut the door, right? So Michigan comes out and scores 10 points unanswered. Boom, seven minutes into it. All of a sudden, it's 21-16. to I'm excited. In that moment, I felt great. Like, here comes Michigan. They're a second-half team. This is going to be exactly like the Ohio State game. We're going to have a repeat, right, where, where Ohio State comes out, dominates the first half. Michigan goes into halftime. They make adjustments. They come out, and they just own Ohio State in the second half. I was fully prepared for it. I was ready 
just to experience the exact same thing, right? Michigan gets dominated in the first half. You're sitting there. You're nervous. You're like, oh, man, like Michigan, they're going to lose. And then all of a sudden they come out in the second half. They make these great adjustments because Jim Harbaugh is a really good coach. They make these adjustments. And then they come out and they just dominate the second half. I was fully prepared for that story. I was ready to see TCU fall apart. But they would not fall apart. Then TCU has the ultimate response, right? They scored two touchdowns in three minutes. Okay, all of a sudden, they're back up by three possessions. It was really impressive, right? You know, you have the pick six, and then you have the 76-yard bomb. No, that was later. You have the pick six, and then you have another touchdown drive. And they just really kind of regained control of the game really, really quickly. Where it could have fallen apart, they responded in the best way possible, right? So they go back up by three by three possessions. It's, you know, extremely impressive to see them score that quickly. And then all of a sudden, we have five straight touchdown drives by both teams trading possessions. It was awesome. And then TCU turns it over on a fumble. Michigan scores, and all of a sudden, it's a three-point game again. Okay, and what does TCU do? 76-yard touchdown pass. Okay, like, they then stop Michigan for the first time since the pick six that happened in the third quarter. Right, they didn't stop Michigan forever. They kick a field goal, and then that was it. They they put the game away, and it was an extremely impressive performance by TCU. Just seeing the way that they responded, seeing the way that they were coached through this, the way that they ran the football. I mean, they just lined it up, and Michigan couldn't do anything about it. Max Duggan, he didn't throw the ball great. Yeah, he was 14 for 29. Definitely hit a few big throws, though. Like His arm definitely played a role in the game. Um, but, man, he ran the ball really well. You know, TCU starting running back goes out. They bring in, I wouldn't call him a backup because he was. They, they were splitting carries, but they go to pretty much one back, and you kind of expected for their run game to take a step back just because their running back was going to be tired. But, man, it didn't matter. It was really impressive. The speed of TCU was impressive. They were faster than Michigan, which was really surprising because that was one of the things in Big Ten play that really popped for Michigan was their speed. But they looked slow playing against TCU. Uh, man, TCU, man, they can, <clears throat> they, they can really get after you. So... Where does this leave Michigan, right? Um, rumors are already out. Harbaugh's leaving for the NFL. Um, this is going to be a rumor every single year until he leaves or signs a long-term deal. Even if he does sign a long-term deal, that might not make these rumors go away. Okay, like this is what's going to happen every year. This is, I wouldn't call it a consequence, but this is a result of hiring a guy who had success in the NFL at one point in his career. And... I don't think he's going to leave. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? Like, when we look at it, he's not in a bad place. He's in a really, really good place. And none of the NFL jobs that are going to be open are appealing enough for him to leave, right? Like, the only job that was really worth leaving for would have been the Chargers job, right? Because you have Justin Herbert, so you have a lot of weapons. That defense has a lot of really good players as well. But... Brandon Staley, he's figured things out there. It looks like he's going to keep his job. They've they've clinched a playoff berth. Um, they've won at least 10 games this year. That it, it may be 11 after this next week. Um, by the way, side note, Chargers look really, really good. And so none of the other jobs are going to be great. None of the other jobs have guys at the quarterback position that you know are going to be there for the next you know, 10, 12 years. So wh- why would he leave? Right, like He's got the ball rolling in Michigan. They've beaten Ohio State two years in a row now. Um, on top of that, they get him at home next year, right? So they're back in Ann Arbor, a chance to beat Ohio State three years in a row. But most importantly, J.J. McCarthy's coming back. 
Okay, his starting quarterback is going to return. And J.J. McCarthy, I know he didn't look great against TCU, but he's young. He's going to get better. Like, they're set up to make the college football playoff again and potentially win the whole thing, right? Like, I'm not making predictions for next year quite yet, but when we look at all the major contenders, they're the only one who's bringing back their starting quarterback. Look at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, he's going to declare for the draft. Alabama, Bryce Young's already declared for the draft. Georgia, Stetson Bennett, this is his last year, and then he's done. Uh, TCU's Max Duggan, he's gone. He's done after this year. He's a senior. And then we get to teams like Clemson and USC. You know, Clemson obviously has uh, the Cade Klubnick kid coming back. He didn't start all year. He didn't look great in their bowl game. So we'll kind of see what manifests with them. On top of that, Clemson isn't really who they were you know, three, four, five years ago, you know, the defense isn't as good. They've really kind of taken a step back as a program as a whole. On top of that, USC brings back Caleb Williams, who's going to be the best quarterback in the country next year. Probably going to be the number one overall pick, you know, uh, not this draft, but next draft. But, like, USC has to do things on the defensive side of the ball in terms of adding talents before I fully believe in them as a legit contender. Can they win the Pac-12 Sure, I guess. Utah's going to be really good again next year, though. Uh, Cam Rising should be back to play quarterback for them. We know Oregon's going to be good with Bo Nix coming back. So USC may not even be the best team in the Pac-12 next year, right? So I need to see them improve defensively before I slide my chips into the middle on USC making the playoff next year, right? Back to Harbaugh. Why would he leave? Why would he leave? Okay? Um, I believe in them, right? Like, this is a really good Michigan team. Um, they're they're close. They aren't quite there yet, obviously. But like, why why would he leave when his guy's coming back and none of the NFL jobs are great? Okay, I'd be really surprised if he left. We think I think he likes being in Ann Arbor. I'm sure there's a sense of home and famili- familiarity playing for your alma mater, and they're good. Okay, like let's not act like you know they went eight and four this year. Like they went undefeated and lost to a really good TCU football team. Right, so. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to break down the Ohio State and Georgia game. Um, that game was wild as well. Hopefully you stayed up and watched it. I'm sure you did. It's, it's New Year's Eve, right? Like the first moment of 2023 was Ohio State losing a college football game, which I know makes a lot of people happy. So we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Moving on to the Ohio State and Georgia game. And I'll be honest, I don't know if the better team won this game. Ohio State did whatever they wanted to throwing the football. Okay, it was the best game I have seen C.J. Stroud play. Okay, they ran the ball well enough, I guess, right? Like the running backs combined for 85 yards on 20 carries. That's a little over four yards a carry, which is what you want, especially against a Georgia defense like this, a Georgia front seven like this, because it's Georgia, and that front seven is always loaded. It's really impressive, actually, what that Georgia defense does. Um, Despite that, you know, Ohio State really kind of seemed to figure them out because they're really talented. And a lot of that came from C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. Before I move on to them throwing the football, I do want to say Stroud looked great, you know, just moving around-wise, mobility-wise. He had the big run there uh, for 27 yards that put them into field goal position or field goal range, excuse me, at the end of the game. And despite that, though, most of the damage was done through the air to Marvin Harrison Jr., who sadly got hurt. Look, I'll be honest. If Mars Harrison Jr. does not get hurt, then I think Ohio State wins that game. Okay, Georgia had no answer for him. Absolutely 
none, and then he gets hurt on this weird play, right, where it looks like C.J. Stroud is trying to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone, but it kind of flutters. He has a chance to make a play on the ball, and he gets absolutely crushed. Was it targeting? Maybe. Was it? I mean, they didn't call it targeting, but, like, I don't know what targeting is. Nobody does at this point. Either way, whether it was targeting or it wasn't targeting, it wouldn't have mattered simply because either way, Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt, and, like, you really... I mean, it just, it sucked, right? Because you knew, everybody knew. Everybody in that stadium knew. Everybody watching at home knew. Georgia had no answer for Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Like, every time he got open, I mean, he just he's just so electrifying, right? Just the way that he goes about it, the way that he creates space, the way that he runs routes. Like, Georgia's probably the best defense in the country, right? Like, we saw them shut down the Tennessee passing attack earlier this season, and they... And so, like, you come into this kind of thinking, like, you know, like, hey, like, maybe Georgia can do some things to kind of slow down this passing offense, these great wide receivers, especially Marvin Harrison Jr., and they could not. Like, it was just quite the performance for, you know, the amount of time we got to see it. Well, like I said, sadly, he gets hurt. That greatly impacts the game, right? Despite that, like, they still put up 42 or 41, excuse me, which is madly impressive. Anyway, on the other side of the ball, Stetson Bennett was bad. Until the final Georgia drive. Like, it's really weird. Like, when you look at the numbers, it looks like Stetson Bennett had a better game. But if you watched it, then you know he did not. Right? Like, they both finished, Stroud and Bennett both finished 23 of 34. So the completion percentages are the same. Bennett threw for 398 yards. Stroud threw for, like, 358 yards. Um, But at the same time, like, if you watch the game, C.J. Stroud was in control of the offense. He extended plays well. Made some plays with his legs. He looked really, really good. Meanwhile, Bennett's like, he looked flustered and, you know, his numbers are really just attributed to a few big plays that that were made. Anyway, Ohio State pressured him, right? And it seemed like he tried to be Superman, you know, talking about Stetson Bennett, just tried to do a little bit more than what he can do, right? Like when he's on and he's playing well, he's playing within the system, very similar to Tua with the Dolphins, right? Like, when the Dolphins are at their best, it's when Tua's on time, on target, everybody's where they need to be at the proper time, at the proper moments, and then Tua's just able to get the ball out to his playmakers and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki and those guys. Same thing with Georgia and Stetson Bennett, right? Like, their offense is at their best when, you know, everybody's on time, where they need to be at the proper time, and Bennett's just able to get the ball out to all these really, really good players, including Brock Bowers, who didn't have a great game, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Anyway, so Bennett tries to be Superman for a bit, and it almost cost them the game, but uniquely compared to every other team in college football, when Georgia struggles, what do they do? They run the football, and they ran the crap out of the football. Okay, the running backs averaged 10 yards a carry. Okay, that combined with an Ohio State defensive back falling down, leading to a 76-yard touchdown pass, kept Georgia afloat just long enough for Bennett to kind of settle down, to regain his composure, and lead them to a win. Okay, like this was a great game. Um, I feel bad for C.J. Stroud because he balled out. We're going to talk about him more here in a minute. But I don't think that the better team won. You know, Ohio State was really banged up. Starting tight ends hurt. Uh, Obviously, you know, I've talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. extensively, like, they were banged up. You know, if they're fully healthy in that game, I do think that they probably would have beaten Georgia. Um, once again, you really hate it for Stroud, man, because he, he balled out. He played so well. And, 
you know, when you look at his resume at Ohio State going forward, it's going to look really disappointing. You know, he never beat Michigan, did, didn't win a Heisman, didn't win the Big Ten, never won a playoff game. But outside of that, like, he's he's a really, really good player. And I know personally, I really like him. And before I continue talking about Stroud and just the draft and everything that's kind of coming up for him, I want to talk about Ohio State. And I just, oh, man, I just, I hate when Ohio State loses these big games and people's first reaction is to think that they should fire Ryan Day. Let me tell you right now, if you think that Ohio State should fire Ryan Day, you're an idiot. Simple as that, okay? The defense is really the biggest concern for Ohio State. It has to improve. And, you know, I've talked about this kind of at the start of the year, why I didn't believe Ohio State was a national championship contender. When Ohio State has been at its best, and we've looked at Ohio State, we've been like, this team is a legit national championship contender. They had guys like the Bosa brothers and Chase Young, okay? They've had good edge rushers since Chase Young, but they haven't had any game records like that. Like, nobody who's going to go within the top three of the draft, right, in terms of overall picks. And they've got a guy this year, I'm blanking on his name, but he's like the number six defensive end prospect for this upcoming draft. Like, that's a really good player. But if you've watched Alabama play, there's a big difference between Will Anderson, okay, who's potentially going to go number one overall. He is the best edge defender in this draft. Like, there's a big difference between a guy like that and a guy like... And a guy that and the guy that Ohio State has, right? Like, there's a reason why I can pull Will Anderson's name off the top of my head, and I can pull Chase Young's name off the top of my head, and I can pull Nick Bosa's name off the top of my head, and Joey Bosa's name off the top of my head, but I can't pull that guy's, right? Because no, no disrespect to him, like he's the number six edge rusher in this upcoming NFL draft class. Like that's very impressive, but he's not on the same level as those guys. And I think that in order to beat these SEC teams, you need to have a guy like that who can really get after the quarterback and can control a game for short periods of a time. I think it's really important, especially when you're playing a team like Georgia, who can really run the ball, right? So that is kind of what I think is the biggest thing for them. They've got to find some kind of elite edge rusher to come off the edge. Moving on, I want to talk about C.J. Stroud because I love C.J. Stroud. And he should be the first or second quarterback off the board. I think everybody knows that. But for as of right now, I would take him first over Bryce Young. And here's why. You can't question his arm strength. You can't ext- you can't question his accuracy. You can't question his size. You can't question any of those things, right? And the biggest question for him coming into this game was in terms of his ability to move in the pocket. Was he mobile enough? Does he move well? And if you watch that game, then you know the answer to that question is yes, right? He maneuvered in the pocket at a very high level, climbed the pocket. When he got flushed, he looked good throwing on the run. He looked good just moving in general. Like, he's an athletic guy, right? And I know that people love Bryce Young, right? Like, I, I know that they do. And I know that Bryce Young has has everything that you want, right? He's got a good arm. He's accurate. You know, he can definitely move, right? He's more mobile than C.J. Stroud. I'm not going to deny that. But ultimately, I question Bryce Young's size. Okay, he's small. C.J. Stroud is not, Okay. Like, let's look at the small quarterbacks in the league really quickly. Kyler Murray, he's hurt once again. Okay, Tua is hurt, right? On top of that, Bryce Young's mobile. Now he's going to do most of his damage from the pocket, but he'll get out and he'll run. Let's look at the mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. Jalen Hurts, he's hurt. Lamar Jackson, he's also hurt again, right? Small quarterbacks, 
very simply don't last, right? Right. Like, there's a reason why Josh Allen never gets hurt. It's because he's 6'5", 230 pounds. There's a reason why Patrick Mahomes never gets hurt. It's because he's, you know, 6'3", and he's thick. And even looking at small quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, like, sure, he's a little bit shorter, but he's thick, and Bryce Young is not. Simple as that. Okay, like, let's just, com- let's just compare the size here. C.J. Stroud is not small, okay? C.J. Stroud is 6'3", 215 pounds. Okay, Bryce Young is six foot, maybe. That's what he's listed at. I don't believe it. Six foot, 194 pounds. Okay, now let's let's just look at the size. If I was to look at you, say, hey man, this guy is six three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, and this other guy is six foot, 194 pounds, what position would you guess that they play? Right? When you hear the six three, two fifteen, your immediate thought goes to like maybe he's really athletic and he plays receiver. If he does if he's not, then he's definitely a quarterback, right? He's six three tall. Right, and then when you hear this other guy, he's six foot, one hundred ninety-four pounds. Your mind probably goes straight to, oh, this guy plays slot receiver. Okay, like Bryce Young is just—he's small, and I just don't trust that. Because of that, I would take C.J. Stroud first. Simple as that. So we're gonna take a—we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna quickly recap the NFL, and it won't be anything too too in depth. You know, we're definitely gonna be looking at Week eighteen. On you know tomorrow or Friday, same thing with you know college football. We're going to be breaking down obviously the national championship game coming up on Monday. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with your NFL recap from this past weekend. And we're back with more shooting the Schmitz, breaking down the NFL games from this last weekend. Also trying to set up for the next podcast, just all the games coming up, all the teams that will be important in Week 18. Here we go. The Dolphins continue to slide. I really don't want to talk about this, but they lose to the Patriots on the road. Jason Sanders misses a big field goal. Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. Tua obviously already out with the concussion. It's just, it's all bad. They've lost, you know, five in a row now. But, you know, who's who's counting, right? Um, you know, if Tua is able to come back this next week and play against the Jets, they have a real legit shot at making the playoffs. Because if they win and the Patriots lose, they're in. The Patriots play the Bills. The Bills are playing for seeding. So, like, the Bills should be playing their starters So there's a a decent chance there that the Patriots lose to the Bills this next week, Um, man. But if if the Dolphins miss the playoffs, it's going to be long. It's going to be a long off season. A lot of things to kind of look at and reevaluate in terms of is this team really ready to win a Super Bowl? Right? Because they make the move for Bradley Chubb, and that is a we want to compete for a Super Bowl right now kind of move. And then to make that move and then not even make the playoffs like that is that's an L to say the least, and it's not not even a little bit frustrating. Anyway. Moving on, Giants clinch a playoff berth. <clears throat> Daniel Jones had a big game, but he's not the answer. I saw someone tweet out or post on social media, pay Daniel Jones whatever he wants. That's ignorant. Please don't do that, New York. He's, you know, a product of Brian Dable, right? Like maybe if you go out and you get some better receivers and put them around him, is he going to be better? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, he's not your long-term answer. He's not an elevator. He's just not. Um, on top of that, Staying in the NFC East, the Eagles lost again. And now they could potentially lose the first overall seed. You know, as the 49ers and Vikings are both 12 and 4, uh, the Eagles currently being 13 and 3. Um, I don't know all the different playoff scenarios for that, but I'm assuming that if San Francisco wins, which they probably will, they look really good. Um, we're going to talk about them a little bit later in their game against the Raiders. Um, but if that happens, obviously there could potentially be a three way tie for first place. I don't know how all that works. I don't think any of these teams have played against each other this year. Um, so we'll just kind of see how all that ends up shaping out. 
Um, especially, I believe it's still going to be Gardner Minshew uh, under center for them. I don't think Jalen Hurts is back quite yet, but we'll see. They're set to take on the Giants this next week. Um, even though the Giants can rest their starters, I, I don't think that they're going to. Moving on, uh, the Bucks clinch the division. We're going to see Tom Brady in the playoffs once again. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. We'll see if he's able to put together some magic and, and go on a nice little playoff run there. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that I told you would make the playoffs a few weeks ago, they are now currently the they're they're currently in first place in their division. Currently set up to be the four seed in the AFC. They're good, I'm telling you. Trevor Lawrence, he's really coming along. Doug Peterson, that's a really really good head coach. He's done a great job of developing him and putting Trevor Lawrence in positions where he can succeed. They're set to play the Titans this week uh, to kind of decide their division. Titans seven to nine. Jacksonville Jaguars eight and eight. Let's see. Let's see if the Jazz can do it. Let's see if Trevor Lawrence can can make the playoffs this year. Uh, the Packers are rolling. They've now won, I believe, five in a row, maybe four in a row. They're going to play the Lions this week. Winner goes to the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun. The game's at Lambeau. It's going to be rocking. Aaron Rodgers, Sunday night football, a chance to make the playoffs. Doesn't get much better than that. I'm excited to watch them play this Lions team that can really put up points. They put up 41 on the Bears this week. I know it's the Bears, but teams don't score 41 points in the NFL. That just doesn't happen. Right, so that game's going to be awesome. Um, the Steelers could also make the playoffs now. They're 8-8 eight and eight, uh, after beating the Ravens this last week. Kenny Pickett continues to improve. George Pickens was a fantastic pick by the Steelers in the second round. He's really come along strong. That's why they're able to trade away Chase Claypool because they just continue to draft excellent guys at the wide receiver position. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about before I go, Jarrett Stidham looked great for the Raiders. Obviously, they benched Derek Carr. There's a whole bunch of backlash. Why are we benching this veteran for this guy who's like barely played? And meanwhile, Coach McDaniel was like, hey, man, like I had him in New England. Like I know that this kid can play. I don't think we gave him enough opportunities there. Anyway, he inserts him into the starting role, and they score 34 points. 34 points. Jared Stidham threw three touchdown passes against the 40, this 49ers defense that no one plays well against. Okay, like, Jared Stidham looked good. I know he threw two picks, but outside of that, like, he looked really good. Okay, like, they put up 34. 34 points. That is the most points allowed by this 49ers defense all year. And look, let's see if let's see if he's got something, right? Like, they're, they're set to play against the Chiefs this week. You know, let's, can he keep rolling? Now, I do want to say, like, when you have Devontae Adams... And you're able to just be like, oh, where's Devontae? Oh, there he is. Let me throw him the football because he's probably going to make a play. That makes your life a little bit easier. But still, like Derek Carr wasn't doing this, right? Like he wasn't. And so maybe the Raiders aren't in panic mode in terms of trying to find a quarterback quickly to capitalize with all of these different options that they have on that offense, right? Because obviously you got Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams and you know, with Jared Stidham, like, can he maybe bridge the gap long enough where they're not having to rush to go and find their next quarterback, right? Where they aren't forced to, like, trade up in the draft to draft Will Levis or something like that, right? So, you know, there's a little bit of hope there for the Raiders now. You know, we'll see if they're able to continue and if they're able to capitalize on this opportunity and if Jared Stidham can continue to show up. And by continue to show up, I mean show up in their final game of the year against the Chiefs. This upcoming, I believe that game's on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I'll be back again either tomorrow or Friday. Not too, too sure yet. We'll, we'll see how it ends up shaking out. So once again, that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow or Friday.